My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 72 of the Adventure Games podcast. I hope everyone is well. Uh, before I get to the interview this week, just want to remind everyone that we are celebrating the 30-year anniversary of Revolution Software this year. So if you haven't checked them out already, you can check out my interviews with the co-founders Tony Warner and Charles Cecil. And Charles Cecil, of course, spoke about Beyond the Steel Sky. You can also check out my review of Beyond the Steel Sky, which is a non-spoiler review for the PC. And you can check out my interview with Steve Ince, who was a Broken Sword producer and writer. And uh, at the end of this episode, I will reveal who I will be speaking to this coming Tuesday. So keep an ear out for that. Now, for this week's episode, I spoke to Arsene and Laura from Party for Introverts. Their most recent game was From Head to Toe. And they are working on a new game called A Lozenge. And that is available to Wishlist on Steam and will be available to purchase this summer of 2020. And so they sat down to speak to me about their games, about their design philosophy, what they hope to achieve by making short games. And uh, they also gave some pretty good advice for couples working together, especially during the lockdown. Um, so without further ado, here is my interview. Please enjoy. I am delighted to be joined by Arsene and Laura from Park from Party for Introverts. I got that there eventually. That's right. <laughs> so, hello, guys. How are you doing today? We're well. How about yourself? Yes, I'm doing very well. It's, Thanks for uh, having us. Uh, thank you. We, we, were, uh, we were in contact to do the interview months before, and we finally got together. We finally got time to speak because we spoke at Adventure X very, very briefly because that was crazy. <laughs> that was yeah. a crazy time. Um, we're going to talk about your games as well. And now, what I ask everyone is uh, first, if before we talk about your company and your games, I was wondering if you could introduce yourselves and say what are you, some of your favorite adventure or slash narrative games? Yeah, do you want to go first, or Sunny? No, you go. You okay, go I'll I'll go first. So, well, hi, ladies I'm, first, then. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Laura, um, and as we're kind of like a two-person team with a few few others helping um, out on the side, I do kind of a whole, ton of different things. So I do some art, I do story editing, do design, um, do voice acting. Um, I have a background actually in theater, theater acting, and um, as well as producing. Um, so that's kind of how my love of kind of one medium morphed kind of into these short narrative games that so far Party for Introverts has been making. You are setting? Yeah. Uh, you can also talk about your games. Do you want to, should, should we? Introduce yourself. Okay. All right. I'll introduce myself. <laughs> um, my name is Arseni. I, uh, yeah, I also <laughs> do games at Party for Introverts. So I'm a writer and historian normally. I'm doing design, um, program and sound. Uh, yeah, we, we just do a bunch of different things 
together and uh, we are working on emotion-driven games. That's the main agenda that we have pretty much in all of our projects. Would you like to hear some about uh, the games that kind of like inspire sure, us? Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, any, any games that's, um, that, that you guys are fans of or that inspired you guys or that you really like and would like to talk about? Any, any games at all? That. All right. Um, well, uh, actually, the fact that it's an adventure games podcast is uh, <laughs> uh, suiting because uh, this is how my uh, career in adventure, sorry, in, in games started. I've been inducted by playing uh, 2D adventure games, which I adored. There has been tons and tons of different uh, ones that you know are very dear to my heart. It's kind of hard to pick one. Uh, really, that is the best, but um, it probably would be The Curse of Monkey Island. I'm sure it comes up quite a lot. Um, before that, I, I did uh, got assimilated by playing Freddy Fish and Full Throttle and uh, other stuff, but The Curse of Monkey Island is something that kind of completely changed the paradigm for me. It just took me, you know, I ever since I saw the screenshots, I just understood that this is Something that I that I really really want to do and uh, something that I love dearly. And uh, I guess nowadays I think the influences for our work. I always mentioned people gone home. Uh, every I recommended to pretty much everybody who didn't play games, who does play games, if they didn't play it. This is something that's super important for us and I think for the industry. And um, I think one of the pivotal games that not everybody knows about is uh, Dinner Date. And uh, it's a game by uh, somebody named Jerome Stout. He's a designer from Netherlands. And uh, I remember back when I was in university, I discovered that game accidentally and it was so in line with things that I wanted to do. It was a short um, narrative game and uh, it was a very emotional little piece and I reached out to, to him and you know we became friends this way and this has kind of opened the possibilities for me that maybe I should move to the west maybe I should design games that are different you know this has been one of the first experiences that kind of pushed me into this non-traditional direction. And you mentioned that, you know, you moved to the West kind of because of all these, these what you were interested in. Um, so interesting fact, Arseny is actually from Russia. Is that okay? If that's okay yeah, to say. A little piece of trivia. A little piece of trivia. And I think that kind of speaks a lot to just the fact of how far the influence of these types of games can actually reach to countries that aren't so traditionally, like, thought about in terms of having an industry um a little more so now but i know especially like when our sunny started <laughs> out much. there was like nothing in russia so his love of video games and Very thinking little. of it as a career definitely um was inspired mm. by something that wasn't it's so immediate to the place he grew up in yeah it's true i mean yeah i didn't move like i myself didn't move for like political reasons or anything else it was really because that's you know, I wanted to advance in the field because I knew that I'm going to make games since I was like six. And this was pretty much the only way that I saw of doing that. And this is the reason why I'm here. Nice. So you were, I mean, definitely very dedicated. I can see that from, from when you were six that you wanted to move to the West to make games. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't know about the West back then, but uh, right, but yeah, it, it got the, the ball rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, that, that's great to hear. Yeah, we had um, a few months ago, I don't know if you heard it or if you met him at AdventureX, uh, Alexander, he was a guy from Russia right. as well. I did, uh, he, yeah. 
Uh, yes, he does localization as well. He spoke about when he played adventure games and then how he realized that, you know, he wanted to make games kind of in Russian as well or make or translate or localize more games in Russian as well. And he's mm-hmm. worked on some pretty big games, you know, Timbleweed Park and Gibbous and a few others. So and Broken Sword 5 yeah, and he's working on Beyond the Steel Sky. So, um, no, that that's great. And we can definitely see your passion hat. You mentioned before that there weren't as many games, at least in, in Russia. But what about now? Because at least from what I can see, I could be wrong, but there seem to be more and more studios in, well, Russia and East now, more so than before. Is that? Do you find that yourself uh, now, or is it still, you know, like before? Um, I mean, I, I don't want to seem... too negative right off the bat but i wouldn't say so i i think situation is still pretty grim um there are exceptions definitely you know there there has always been say ice pick lodge who do you know i i i keep being fascinated by the fact that they exist in moscow Mm -hmm. and they do you know things like pathologic and they yes, still survive yes. as a studio. I, 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 sorry, it came off as, as if they are doing something bad. No, they're doing tremendous things. And, oh yeah, uh, no, no, I, no, I, yes. I, I'm, yeah, very proud of that. Uh, but there is very little. Uh, most of the things that are, in, you know, in Russia, they are uh, mobile-related things, and they're not, you know, particularly interesting to me uh, personally. Mm. But also, before we forgot, I just wanted to make sure we cover Laura's uh, uh, narrative. Oh. Influences. Oh, so now we oh, haven't yeah. forgotten about you, Laura. Yeah, no, not quite as exciting as Russia. Um, I'm I'm from America, obviously, from my mm. accent. Um, but my, as I mentioned, um, my influences kind of originally came from my, you know, studies in theater, um, theater arts, and um, kind of I had a, a career, a transition, I suppose, into taking the skills I had um, in the theater industry and utilizing them in when in our creation of our own games, really. So I'm kind of trained as a theater producer, and that's kind of how I've worked for charities, producing shows for them. And for me, a, a lot of the ideas around, you know, interactions and human empathy, I think, um, are pretty prevalent in the type of games we make. And that's something that's really interesting to me. And so I, I, I definitely uh, like games more so that are all about kind of relationships between people and motivations and um, I'm more interested in the moments during games necessarily more so rather than kind of the a long whole game as a whole I like kind of the the moments that happen in it he mentioned his games he uh he liked and I I love a lot of them too one of my favorite games is from kind of the sub category of adventure games um, visual novels so I really love the Zero Escape series. I'm not sure if you've ever played that or known about it. I've heard about it. I haven't played it, but yeah. I don't know too much about it. But what was it about those games that it's appealed to you? It's definitely not for everybody, I suppose. There's some <laughs> things when I play that are pretty rough. I mean, a little, you know, maybe even a little problematic with cultural differences and stuff when it gets <laughs> imported into the country. But I, I love the fact that they pack in, like, metaphysics and game theory and philosophy and parapsychology and all these kind of really like thought-provoking things but the interesting parts for me is when it boils down into how the characters relate to each other so 
I've talked to Arsenio about this as well. And I think probably one of the reasons we make a lot of short games, although Zero Escape is a very long game. Um, it's it not short. It's damn long. <laughs> yeah, but I think something that's interesting for a lot of us is that we, when we play games, we often wish we could kind of skip a lot of the actual, like, kind of more difficult gameplay and just get right to kind of the story-driven gameplay that happens in these moments, you know, before and after. Um, so a lot of it's about kind of truncating pieces of gaming that are really interesting to us and kind of the emotion and connectivity between the characters um, with, you know, for example, our first game thing in itself with philosophy. So kind of these really high um, intellectual, mindful, you know, ideas mixed with kind of very relatable like moments, human empathetic moments. Yeah, that I, I you know, I, I really like how there are more and more games who are doing that, who are focusing now on the story and as you mentioned on adding more philosophy and with human relationships as well that because they i think before before it wasn't as prevalent i remember reading that i believe going way back probably in i think the 1980s when king's quest 3 i think wanted to be the first game that would make you cry i think it probably did make a lot of people cry but for very different reasons (laughs) because as you mentioned the gameplay was very hard (laughs) right but they wanted to make you cry with uh, well people like that now too you know like uh, all the dark souls of the world and stuff. I get the appeal of like, you know, oh, when it, you feel, yeah. if, after you've overcome a challenge, there's, you know, that kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I am kind of I get joking that. as well. Um, but at the same time for us, it's sometimes it, it'll make us like stop like a third of the way through a game just because we're mm. kind of feel like it's missing that. The, the connectivity that we want to feel to it. Well, um, yeah, I guess again, I, I used to be very maximalistic about what games should be. You know, I always was kind of pushing this direction of more artistic and uh, emotional stuff. And not everybody is into that. And a lot of people are, you know, perfectly happy playing, you know, hardcore platformers or, you know, like things, things that don't really require much thought, but are a lot of focused on skill and, uh, uh, gameplay and that's fine it's it's allowed <laughs> you can it's do all it. valid it's all <laughs> yes, valid it's legit. and good for what you enjoy you know there are different games and uh, uh they're done for different people but i as you said i am pretty glad that uh it, it things are definitely get broader and broader in terms of uh, you know involving something more intellectual into our genre and our medium i'm really happy about that yes no, de- definitely. And nowadays, there are so many different types of adventure games that, um, you know, that there are, as you mentioned, Laura, visual novels now, which is a whole subsection now. And there's, uh, you guys mentioned Gone Home, which is now another subsection of, I know what call walking simulators. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's really taken off now that there are a lot of games, um, you know, like that as well, which I think is great because the more variety, at least for me, the better. Um, even if they're not always particularly for me, I think if, if people enjoy them, if people like them, then they're valid, in my opinion. So, I completely agree. I agree. Yeah. Then, so you guys then formed a studio party for introverts, which is a very interesting name, which is, <laughs> I really like the name. Uh, how did Thank you guys you. come up with that name? Um, trial and error. I think there's an element of, uh, we mentioned kind of how we play games and how we like to play games. And I don't know if it was directly related to this, if you were actually consciously thinking of this when you came up with the name. But for example, I 
like playing games by myself. I don't let anybody watch me when I play a game. Um, I love watching other people play games, but I refuse to let anybody watch me. And I think for me, it's kind of an element of celebrating kind of intimate moments that we kind of put in our games. Um, And so far, our games have been quite like very much based (laughs) upon like a central, like emotional theme that either we personally experienced or have like walked around. Yeah, they're, they're quite personal. And I think that's what games should be like. I, I feel like if you're not doing something that's, you know, is personal, that is touching you in one way or another, it's probably not worth being said. So at least that's my approach to design and to, you know, story and writing. And uh, this is definitely affecting the name. That's kind of a feeling that we want to show to our players, to people who care about what we do. And I think it's doing a pretty good job in terms of explaining from (laughs) from the name what are we trying to achieve. Yeah, I mean, it's partly for introverts because like you, Laura, I, I don't like anybody watching me when I play games because... I do some incredibly stupid things when I play games, particular adventure games that I, you know, then it's like, oh, so that was the purpose. I usually overthink and overcomplicate puzzles. Me too. I, the probably we talked about, we don't like, I don't like super complicated things because I, I complete everything to like a hundred percent satisfaction. So if you give me a really long game um, that I'm like emotionally invested in, it would be super boring if somebody watched me too, because I would be examining like every nook and cranny mm-hmm. of like, it, I, I'll sink like hundreds of hours into one game. He can attest to this. This, this has this has been a problematic area in our relationship, really. I when when Dragon Age Inquisition came out, this has been a major issue. Or like um, Dear Escape, I play it like three different times and make sure. I mean, not way more than three different times and make sure every single thing has been it, like gotten out of the game. So yeah, kind of like an intimate discovery, I guess, in a way, is is what kind of draws us to games. And it's kind of like the games we make, honestly. So we started Party for Introverts in 2015? 2016. And our first game thing in itself was based around the philosophical concept of Immanuel Kant thing in itself and about kind of like the relative experiences people have and how people can't necessarily see a situation the same way as the other person no matter how hard they try no matter how hard they analyze um so it's kind of as we mentioned it's kind of a mixture of we talked about you know philosophy but at the same time it's based around this very relatable subject matter of kind of a relationship not working out so kind of combining things that are relatable with perhaps the new concept or something you just we just want to explore more yeah uh it's kind of i i was given a talk at adventure x actually about uh, emotion driven games it's it's available online uh for anybody who wants to go deeper in detail but uh it is based on a very specific emotion from a very specific moment in my life which happened like you know 20 years ago at this point and it's still with me and uh, you know it was powerful enough for me to kind of design this experience around it and yes the philosophical concept is an important part but it's more of a kind of like a setting kind of a wrapper around it so you know the actual candy is the thing that stayed with me for all this time and uh, gameplay uh, which, you know, like there is limited gameplay in there and uh, the, you know, the concept are serving to kind of deliver this to the audience. So yeah. hopefully and, it worked. And it's more about like kind of 
exploring the small limited space you're in. Uh, we talked about how I'm we're, I'm the type of person who explores like every single little option and nook and cranny of a thing. And it's, it's a limited world in terms of space. Um, but uh, we wanted to make it, a lots of different emotions be able to come just from kind of essentially a room we constructed for this game. So that, that was kind of thing in itself and kind of the start of our trajectory and our games have kind of definitely been still based in that moment mentality of yeah, looking at a moment. This is, you know, we our games look and um, feel somewhat different. So, you know, the next game that we're going to do is also going to be in a similar format from the, I guess, time and wise and uh, from from the approach. It's, it's, it is going to feel the same, even though even though the story is going to be different, the look is going to be different, the gameplay is going to be different. Uh, it's, I feel like it's still going to have this kind of party for interviews signature. So that's something that we kind of keep on too. Yes, no, that's uh, because you guys are known now for making these short emotional games. But um, And you spoke a little bit about thing in itself. But I wanted to ask you first, Laura, you mentioned the, uh, that as well as games, that you're a fan of moments in games. And I just wanted to, to, to ask if there are any particular moments that stood out for you in games that you'd like to talk about? Are there any in particular? Or Man. just in, are they just in general? On the spot. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. Are you on no, the spot? It's okay. <laughs> um, I, so let me think. So I, as I mentioned before, I quite like character interactions. So we'll, we'll do like Dragon Age or something. So sure. I weirdly, <laughs> and it Dragon doesn't, Age. it's not always, it doesn't always work out like in a, in a good way because it's so much about writing and so much about how you can connect the player with the character. But um, I'm trying to think of like a specific one, but I do quite like um, when a core part of the gameplay, even in these like massive AAA games, is mm-hmm. all about kind of, finding relationships with the characters and not necessarily romantic, for example. Um, so uh, let's let's think of one. So for example, like in Dragon Age Inquisition, um, there's a storyline where um, just kind of as, as a confidant and as a friend, you connect with this one character named Dorian and it's actually his story of essentially um, being true to himself and coming out to his family, which is not received properly. Um, but you very much feel like the, it's, it's it's somebody that somebody has had that experience, some writer or mm. something in the background. There's somebody wanted to tell this story and wanted you to feel empathy from it. And in that moment also kind of is a, a slight like learning example in terms of empathy for people perhaps in a different situation than you. And I think that's important. I mean, I really think that's kind of why art exists also in a way is to create empathy and to open your mind and to explore different horizons that you've never really thought of before, haven't experienced personally, just trying to connect with another person, whether it's the character or the writer behind the character or something they've experienced. Yeah. (laughs) So not a great one, but that's just kind of an example. it, it, you know, I, I can understand that. Are, I think there are several moments in, in games as well that, you know, there's a few moments. Uh, Don't you play the game Metal Gear Solid, which mm. was one of the first narrative kind of games I, I played many years ago now, which 
I mean, it, I think looking back on it now, it, there might be one or two problematic aspects to it, but yeah. overall, that's always interesting <laughs> looking at games you love and being like, hey, like even like Zero Escape that I was mentioning, I'm like, mm, like yeah, so for everyone, you got to go in with like an understanding that not all of this, you know, it can be some problematic elements, but there's something to take away from it. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, a few games as well, a few adventure games. Most recent one was when I played The Walking Dead, um, the final right. season, which was at least I found very emotional. So um, without giving any spoilers. There, but... was, there is some quite powerful stuff there. I mean, again, mm-hmm. it's kind of being rehashed a little bit, you know, once or twice. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it is, you know, I, I feel like we did a pretty good job considering um, oh, especially given all the problems with, uh, you know, the studio being shut down during the development, which, you know, is very sad. Um, yeah, I agree. It, it's it's a, it's a big game. Yeah, that was. The, I actually spoke to one of the developers, Mark Darren, who t- spoke to me about that and what he was, what his objectives were as well, which was really interesting. That he still wanted to include include in a sense of hope in the game, even though it was uh, pretty bleak overall, but. And um, but yeah, definitely. Then you guys, you talked about thing in itself, and um, first of all, you also spoke about Immanuel Kant. And for people who mightn't know who he is, can you? <laughs> what if you could? <laughs> again, putting you on the spot, <laughs> maybe. But who, <laughs> no, who, 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 who was he, and why was he important for this this game um, was... that you made? He was a, a man. <laughs> okay, that's a good start. <laughs> uh, he was an important man, uh, born... Oh, actually, I'm not going to go into that much detail. Maybe he's not born there. Probably was. Uh, he is from Germany. He uh, was one of the pillars of their philosophical movement of the time. Uh, he came up with a bunch of uh, interesting stuff, created some very unreadable uh, pieces. So, you know, he has... Uh, you know, famous uh, books that are very hard to read, but were very important for the, you know, philosophy as a whole. And yeah, thinking itself is just one of the, um, one of the very big influential concepts. Essentially, the idea is that any kind of object uh, that you can see, experience, feel is not going to be understood by you fully because it has this instance that you know thing in itself that actually belongs only to its own so whatever you uh, experience in this world you're doing it through your prism of senses through your memories through your through who you are therefore any other person looking at the same i don't know cup table etc you know something even most routine is going to perceive it differently than you do and that's you know that's a very powerful thing when you when you think about it and uh we just kind of expanded a little bit in terms of you know relationships and kind of how it applies to how people view the world and how they view their relationship and how if you can't even see the same trivial object the same way how is it possible for you to even understand the thinking process and emotions of another person properly yeah that's that's very interesting because i i saw the trailer for this game and it you know, you mentioned as well, we see objects, trivial objects differently. And the part of the trailer I saw where he looks, I think it's a book, bookshelf, and uh, it, it says it's a piece of trash or a piece of junk. Or, where right. someone else might come in and say, oh, wow, I, you know, this is amazing. These are great. So it was one of the gameplay. Oh, go ahead, yeah. 
one of the gameplay elements actually in in there that um, there are three acts in the game and they are all done in kind of different state of mind. So when you're looking at different objects, they have different descriptions and um, it just depends on how the character feels at the time. So that proves a little more of you know it gives gives the concept a little interactivity if you if you want. Right. Yes. Yes. So you mentioned that the, one of the games you like is Gone Home. And so is this game similar to that in terms of gameplay, would you say? Or, or is it... it's, a little, it's a little different because uh, Gun Home is kind of puzzly in a way. So it is very much of kind of this linear exploratory story. But uh, when you, uh, you, you need to advance through the story by, you know, solving little puzzles, even if they are just looking around and kind of gaining information about the room. In our case, it's a little less walking. You know, you are actually exploring the house in Gun Home. In uh, I think in itself, you are just in the room, which you are exploring, but it's kind of limited. It's more internal, I would say. I think Gun Home is a little more about the surroundings, rather than our game is a little more about the internal experience. Okay. But spiritually, I... yes, I, I definitely would draw some parallels there. It definitely influenced us in many different ways. Yeah. Our game's a lot shorter, too. Oh, yeah. The author, with our trend of e- short games so even, far. Even, uh, even considering Gun Home is short, ours are yeah, even shorter. Yeah, are even shorter, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, that's uh, you know, interesting. And then it reminds me as well of a game I played last year called Serena. I don't know if you played that. It's, um, it's again, you're in a house. And again, I don't want to give too much away about that game because mm-hmm. it's short. But again, you have different states of mind, different emotions in that game. And you find out the character's state of mind when you interact with the objects. That, you know, one moment he's very happy and he says, oh, I love the colors of this shelf. And then, uh, you know, later on he might say, oh, I, you know, hate to, it's broken and it's mm. worn down. And we can see, you know, from the character's point of view as well. So then it's, you mentioned as well that your game is short. Now, actually, we had a discussion with, with some other people at Adventure X that, uh, some people were saying that at least before that people always wanted to make their games as long as possible, that even back in the Sierra and LucasArts day that they would just, you know, you'd have to put in like a maze or something just to make the game longer, make the yeah. game like 40 hours. But nowadays that if a game is short, I think it, it appeals to a lot of people because they go, oh, I, I can finish this in an evening. It's, I wish it's I wish that was completely true. I, I yes, so no, tell my question then. Yeah. So do do you find that uh, with people, or or how do you find, or how, how do you see people's reaction in general to games that are short nowadays? Um, well, first of all, I guess there are small distinguishments between the levels of short. Our games are quite short, so they are you know 15, 20 minutes long. Um, and, you know, when people talk about short games, often they put uh, games like Gun Home in the same category, which is several hours long. So it's not quite the same. It's like comparing, I guess, a short story to novella or something. I think it's just beginning. I think people are just understanding that it used to be that uh, games were for a much less mature audience and they were targeted at uh, school children and they would come, you know, home from school and they would have a lot of time on their hands. And back then, uh, you know, levels were easier to make, I guess. You know, you could copy paste a bunch of stuff and just use uh, same assets to expand and more and more levels and more and more hours of gameplay. And it's not as simple anymore. Uh, games are much more complex to make, uh, if, especially if you want to convey some emotional narrative or just narrative in general. 
And this is the direction where we're going, but I think the public is somewhat slow to accept it still. It's just beginning. Okay, so either we're on the precipice, maybe. Um, and what, why do you guys, like you mentioned your games are 15, 20 minutes long. Um, just want, wondering, wh- why did you guys decide to make uh, your games this length? Is there any particular reason or were you tempted to make them longer? Or do, do you say, no, this is what we believe our stories uh, should take this long? Um, I think a lot of it kind of comes back to the fact that for what we've made so far, um, uh, the core impetus for it is essentially a moment and it, we want it to be kind of an organic like story around that moment and we've never pressured ourselves so so at this point at least um to kind of stretch that out and kind of like milk it so it there's was, no point in artificially increasing the length if yeah. we can say what we want in a short period of time right so it's just so far in the games from like the 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 main first idea it's just kind of made sense for the games to be that long the scripts just ended up being that way it wasn't actually like we're setting out to make you know a 10 minute game or a 15 minute game it kind of came from the moment but we definitely under as he was talking about they're definitely looking at games now that are you know not necessarily 100 hours long all the time but at the same time there is you know talking about really short games it's there is a it's a very niche market for it as well so there is kind of a balance that in the future we're potentially looking for to do something longer but at the same time we need to have a reason to do that as well we're not just going to take kind of the ideas we've had and pad them to to make it but we definitely understand in terms of like you know really strong financial viability and everything there is a balance between giving yeah, enough of a story um that you can kind of make it logical well yeah so to that point there are definitely business uh, decisions to be made right so we both we work full-time so besides making our own games we need to kind of earn money because essentially short games they don't sell all that well unfortunately that maybe will change at some point at this point it's kind of hard to actually you know provide for like a family just based based on that Uh, and yeah uh, the fact that we have only limited amount of time also puts a restriction in terms of the amount of content that we can produce uh, the two of us and still say something that we want to say so that's another reason why this this is the case but also, yeah, till now, we didn't have a need in a longer story. That may change. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted. There's things in the future that yeah. we're looking towards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it, um, you know, we mentioned on this podcast and reviews as well that there are times when we love playing, you know, long games like Heaven's Vault. And I know Thomas and Laura play Disco Elysium, which is about 40 hours long. Oh, yeah. and I still have to play it myself. Um, but then sometimes um, Thomas uses the um, he, he compares it to sometimes we want to read Lords of the Rings and sometimes we want to read you know a comic book issue of the Wolverine which mm-hmm. is like thirty pages can take five ten minutes to read and and he says and they're both uh, valid they're both you know that he enjoys both of them so what would you say are you know any benefits of making games for people you know in fifteen twenty minutes and some challenges that he's have encountered. From a practical standpoint, um, and especially kind of looking at our company, making short games allows us to experiment with different things that 
you wouldn't necessarily want to throw all your eggs into a basket and make a long game in kind of such an untraditional way. Um, and I think we're also kind of using a lot of the games we do, which we're really passionate about them, but it definitely allows us to explore kind of different avenues and see what works for us, what doesn't, um, things we can refine going forward. So just even from a practical kind of creative standpoint, it gives us flexibility in going forward and thinking about new things. It's a really simple thing to forget, but games are freaking hard to make. It's, it's it's a discipline that requires a lot of effort, even if it's a small thing. So, you know, from head to toe, we did think in itself we did uh, during the period when I, for instance, wasn't working full time. So it uh, was done relatively quickly, like, you know, in, I guess in half a year we made it. Um, but from head to toe, we did while we were both working and that took us like a year and a year and a half. And that's a that's a 15 minute long game. There is a lot of kind of care, there's a lot of work, a lot of effort that goes into this that people don't necessarily think about when they play. And, you know, especially given that there is this bit of a stigma around short games, it can be sometimes unrewarding to, uh, you know, to hear people mention it, you know, as a, as a negative, uh, while it was intentionally designed like that. Um, but at the same time, yeah, as Laura said, this is, um, this does allow us to focus on things that we actually want to say, you know, so we don't need to do filler content. We don't need to produce things that we don't particularly care about. We just focus on actual emotions, actual moments, actual things we care about and try to make it good enough for people to accept as well. I, I think there is a shortage, a bit, there is a lot of you know, short games in general for, you know, there are a lot of hobbyists nowadays, which is great because more people have access to development tools and more people, more people have passion for that. I think there is not a lot of high quality content in this format because again, it still takes a lot of time and work and it's not paying very well. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's one of the things that we're contributing to the genre. I hope it's going to expand. And I think it's been also very useful for me since I know I didn't originally come from a video game background um, and I am not a trained artist at all. But yet by necessity, I am the one who does all the art for it. And it's definitely been a, a very strong, steep learning curve in the past couple of years, just from like basic things, just from, you know, learning new software to learning very minimal animation styles. So it, I think it's also helped to like kind of experiment for me, particularly how to how, how to make a game even. And obviously I have a great teacher in Arseni because Arseni has been in this industry for a very, very long time. Um, but there, there is an amount, there's amount of patience and learning your style. And I think that it, it's, it, it's coming to me a, a little bit better because I haven't been kind of stuck with one art style or one mindset mm -hmm. that I have to go by. Um, I can kind of learn what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are, um, and see what works going forward. And yeah, all our games are going to look very different. So, you know, from head to toe is very different from thinking itself. Yeah. And the new game is going to look very different. Mm -hmm. I think I think Laura did a really good job. We're going to start posting this stuff soon. I hope people are going to like it, too. Oh, and nice. it's very short as well. So yeah. this next one's <laughs> potentially a, probably about the same length, maybe. It's very short as well. Um, The one uh, but we're looking even more forward. So the one maybe after we're looking in the distance of being slightly yeah. longer. Yeah, we, okay. we have we have 
we have a couple things in the pipeline. Good plan, yes, but it's a little early to talk about this in detail. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, also, yeah, because just two people and you are kind of thinking about like multiple games at the same time still, because because yeah, sure. you acknowledge like you know the how how it is putting out a short game, and even if you get some good traction, it's definitely not the same in a way. Putting yeah. out a long game in terms of the investment and right, oh, yeah. No, well, definitely. I, I played from head to toe last year, and I really liked it as well. I think it looks really nice yeah. as well. You're saying that it's um, that you know it certainly looks different to your first game, and it's you know I think it's uh, what is really impressive is that you told the story, a complete story, in 15 minutes, which um, and you know it reminded me as well. I mean, it's very different in content-wise, but Terrible Old Man by Cloak and Dagger Games which mm-hmm. I played at the beginning of the year. It's also a very short game, 10, 15 minutes, uh, or half an hour if you go, but it also tells a complete story. So it's definitely very you know, viable to tell or make mm-hmm. games uh, like these. Um, well, what can you tell us about From Head to Toe, particularly for people who haven't played it? Um, the tagline was, uh, it's a game about winter, existential guilt, and your ex-classmates. Um it, which I think is pretty accurate. So I would say so too. <laughs> yeah, we have a kind of this for like we, I guess we like to describe our games as uh, short interactive stories. So they always imply that it's not gameplay driven. It's not something that it requires any skill. It's all about the narrative, all about the emotion, and uh, we're trying to make kind of those little ways for the player to uh, feel ownership over the story and to uh, kind of connect to the character a little more. So From Head to Toe is about a a girl, uh, Betty, who is coming back to her hometown and uh, uh, taking a walk she used to take with her best friend, Quentin, who is accompanying her. And they're just sharing memories and talking about how things were. Again, there is a philosophical concept that's uh, moving uh, as as a core of this experience, which is existential guilt, and um, that's kind of yeah, it, it's also based on very personal stuff. Yeah. Definitely not as overt in the game as thing in itself yeah. is. <laughs> it's, it's a little it, bit more woven into just like the feeling of the story rather than being like something that's illustrated. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, and I think from head to toe in particular from what you said the thing in it uh the thing by itself thing in itself, thing in itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you sorry um that i think uh, we can sort of all relate with the you know when you talk about you know relationships not going well or in this game that you play as this girl betty who's away from home she comes back and she meets up with her ex-classmate and then seeing existential guilt and uh, again you know i think we're I think most of us are on one side or the other. You know, we've all been Betty or we've all been Quinton <laughs> or maybe yeah. both. Um, is it, and then you mentioned as well, you put your games are very personal. Um, is it, um, at times, is it uh, challenging making it, you know, very personal? Do you, because uh, I know that's why you said you wanted to make games, but the reason I ask is, is it, do you, or is it t- at times, do you feel, Oh, this is you know very personal. We're putting everything out there. Um, other times when you like to make games about zombies or about aliens, just <laughs> <laughs> um, I like games about those things. So. I do as well. <laughs> I, I mentioned The Walking Dead, which was, <laughs> but with, with your games that are so personal, that's um, is it challenging at times to just put it all into a, a game like this? 
It's a good topic to discuss because it's a conversation about games being escapism versus uh, something for intrinsic exploration. It's a long debate, I suppose. I was always on the side of internal uh, processes and actually trying to dig deeper rather than trying to get away from the reality. And uh, I understand again nowadays that uh, all kinds of experiences are good and they suit different purposes, but it's just something that I was never particularly interested in. I think uh, I, I play games for the same reason I read books. I want to become a better person. I want to relate to other people. And yeah, I, I want to I wanna feel things. I feel like I don't feel things enough in real life, so that's one of the one of the ways for me to to get that. And I want our people to have the same emotions when we play our games. Yeah, and you talk about you know, escape. For me, it's not quite a polarity thing. Mm. So you talk about escapism. I I don't even if it's like a super fantastical environment or story. Um, I for the thing that interests me is how I relate to that fantastical environment or story and mm-hmm. how I kind of infuse myself into it and you know kind of inhabit it and so it doesn't become like necessarily escapism it's about more just about putting yourself putting yourself in a different yeah. environment I think of it like that I, I get it I uh, there are games like this for me as well not just games you know there are exceptions like uh, for instance uh, at Adventure X we were talking with uh, Ragnar you know Thornquist mm-hmm. who Thornquist right is his last name he did Dreamfall, which is one of yes. my favorite games of all times. You know, it's just amazing. And it's set in this amazing fairy tale-ish, fantasy-ish world. And I never had a problem with it. I just related to it so much that it never was an issue. And yet, generally speaking, I always had this kind of misunderstanding of sci-fi. I just could... I, can never get into it but i love sci-fi yes (laughs) yes but there are some specific examples that just make me completely ignore this and just relate fully to the characters and to the story so it's not it's not necessarily a a killer uh for me but it's just i I always relate more to things that are set in you know in the events that could happen to me or to other people but but that's again very personal approach i think the interesting thing is those kind of like emotional stories can happen in any type of setting sure. so exactly. we just haven't explored it who know uh, who knows in the yeah. future perhaps it will but again i definitely think all our games will still be very much rooted in kind of the same kind of wanting to have that emotional core and then just transplanting them to different places to better tell the story or enhance it in some way yeah that's pretty much guaranteed regardless of the setting that's going to be the goal yeah because we you know we spoke about uh, the Walking Dead, which is a you know story with zombies, but that was very emotional. And you mentioned Dreamfall, yes. which is a sci-fi fantasy setting, which is also very emotional. So no, that's a, but, that's um, a great example uh, yeah. of Walking Dead as well. I, I remember playing the first season and how again speaking to short games back then, this mm-hmm. was considered short, uh, especially you know if you just judge based on one episode. And they did such a great job. I mean, the first yes. season was so great. And yeah, couldn't care less about zombies, honestly. I I don't I can't remember from the top of my head any other piece that I cared about in terms of zombies. And The Walking Dead season one is definitely an exception for it. Yes, I felt the same because I I was always resisting even reading the comics or watching TV series because I had no interest whatsoever in zombies. 
But then everyone kept telling me, no, it's actually really good. So I started reading the comics and I loved them. And I watched, uh, I, no, I, I played the game first. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I played the game first because everyone was saying it's really good. So I tried. And like yourself, I was really emotionally involved. And then I read the comics and watched the TV series. And then there's another game, The Last of Us, which is also very emotional as well. Another kind of post-apocalyptic game as well. So it's definitely possible to, you know, make these emotional games in just about any setting. And you mentioned Laura in Dragon Age that as well. <laughs> that you can have we the have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a bit of a, a schism here uh, <laughs> with, with Dragon Age. As, I, as you can tell, our son is not a big fantasy a and sci-fi fan, person, no. um, and I am. So <laughs> it's me always trying to convince him of the emotional <laughs> elements in yeah. these long long games I play. And I and I accept <laughs> that this can happen. It's just much harder for me to get yeah. into these kind of worlds. Right. Well, we. We had uh, millions of people around the world crying over dragons in Game of Thrones, so yeah. it's possible. Oh, yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> he watched, you, yeah, and you like Game of Thrones. That's true. I, uh, I, I started watching, I remember when it first came out, watched the first episode, was bored out of my Of course, thoughts. I I was the one who watched it. <laughs> yeah, and Laura, Laura made me watch it, and uh, I did legitimately like it till till, till the last season. But yeah. Well, oh, but till the last season. Okay, now that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> but anyway, your game then as well. The two games there, as, as well as you know, it's uh, writing as well because they're fully voiced. And in particular, I found the voice acting of Betty to be amazing. Would you say it's so, Laura? That was... well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, the joking side is pretty good overall. It was um, pretty good. And you did the voice of Betty as well. Am, am I correct? <laughs> yes, I okay. have so far done all of the female voices for all of the games. Um, for all the games. So the two games we've made so far. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I enjoy that. Like I am. A trained actress I it's it's amazing to get to kind of infuse different I don't say talents but different interests into kind of the projects we make um I yeah I love that it's kind of funny actually I uh, at first I didn't want to cast Laura yeah it's true <laughs> for, for Molly for uh you know the first role in Thing in Itself because I mean we in real life we are um well we were supposed to get married actually in a month yeah, uh, and then that happening. didn't happen <laughs> because of a uh, you know uh, government cancellation. Yeah, it's but, official. <laughs> yeah, but point is that we you know have lived together for such a long time. I know how she sounds, and she just didn't fit within the narrative of Molly for me. Just kind of didn't you know as a creator, I didn't feel like it's a right fit. And what I forgot about is that action exists and you actually <laughs> don't need to use your own kind of voice and inclinations and Laura just freaking she killed it I mean it was that's one of the most probably the most uh, good feedback that we got about the game was about voice acting definitely because it's funny how you know actors are not always their characters it <laughs> right. can be yeah. different and i just saw the end at time recorded i saw the end of homeland and you know we see carrie and claire danes who's absolutely yeah. amazing and then i saw her giving an interview and i was like 
wow, she even looks different (laughs) (laughs) and sounds different and she's smiling and she's happy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because we're watching, we're in the middle of watching Deadwood right now. And so uh, I love like pointing out actors to him and it's such a good show to be like, that person was in that and you know him from that and you could just cannot Mm. tell. And it's just like such a prime example of like people being everywhere and you having no idea. I I love character actors. It's just a bunch of them. Also, I don't have a great (laughs) memory on faces. So that doesn't serve to the you know to help here but even if i did she's right it's um it's a pretty good show in terms of acting oh you know i'm i'm always uh, oh she's that person from that thing yeah, yeah. that's what i'm I, i'm <laughs> quite good at that <laughs> and and they're speaking of because you know i think i, I would agree that i think i know i'm not a voice actor but I think uh, from what I've heard, doing acting on stage and acting on film and TV and acting on games, they're they're all different as well. Because I, with Gabriel Knight uh, one, which mm-hmm. had great actors, had Tim Curry, Mark Hamill, and Leah Remini, Remini, and they had an interview in the making of with Tim Curry, and he said that voice, you know, giving the voice for the game was so different to anything he'd been used to because of all the different choices and all the different ways to say things as well. There was much more than in, in films. So I was wondering, Laura, what, you know, what, what, how did you experience uh, vo- uh, voicing these characters for the two games compared to uh, doing acting in theater or in anything else you've worked on and if it, you've been in any TV series or anything or uh, yeah. how do you compare the experience? Um, well, I think, in a way, our games, I'm slightly lucky in that our games are a little more linear than some other video games in terms of kind of story. So um, I, I can kind of invest in like a very strong like base for the character. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. There's different, you have to react different ways. And depending upon, you know, the choices of the player, there are different interactions and reactions, even in our games that do generally have a pretty straightforward story. Um, And I definitely, I feel like the core, for me, the core of kind of the experience is all the same. You still do, you know, some research, you still, you know, think about the emotional drive and the wants of the character um, in all, in all of the mediums. Um, But the di- I've so I've done a little film acting, more theater, and then some voice acting. Um, but there's I feel like there's a difference in terms of just being aware. Um, I don't want to say technology, but aware of kind of the space you're in and kind of adapting as an actor to being mindful of like how you'll sound even in a microphone because sometimes we don't do it with yeah. the best microphones and adjusting to that and really it has required some kind of flexibility in a different way than definitely like kind of being in theater or or film has just in terms of you know doing take after take after take obviously in theater you know you give it your all and you you don't have a chance essentially again to redo it over and over and over again which can be a blessing and a curse um at different times um it, and it's also quite interesting. I feel like <laughs> difficulty sometimes working with your partner, um, especially um, as an actress, because I'm it's it's slightly different, like working with, you know, a, a, a another voiceover artist or an agent <laughs> or a director or something. But when it's your partner, um, there is an element of like he, he, it's, it's sometimes almost more difficult. It can be more difficult to specifically yeah. like instruct and describe what you want 
uh, funnily enough, um, just because, as you mentioned before, he, you know, in the first game, didn't think I was even right for the part because, you know, he has there's a preconceived notion yeah. about who you are. Um, so no, definitely that's it, because I guess in our games, I kind of take this role, you know, when Laurie's when Laurie's acting taking this role of a director in a way so i'm just given um you know feedback i'm given the instructions kind of the, the way i imagine it how it sounds yeah it's normal thing like there is a line between that you can cross between micromanaging and kind of trying to uh Im- like pass on your judgment to other people that... and it's different when, it, different when it's your partner doing yeah, it too. Sure. <laughs> let me be clear <laughs> I think I think we usually settle in uh, relatively quickly into this professional capacity, you know, where we stop thinking about each other as, you know, human beings and just start thinking about each other as uh, partners and in work. But it does does take some time to to adjust. Well, it's not, you know, we're we're on our third game right now, and uh, I think we've kind of ironed it out more or less. But there are advantages. You also get to the point pretty quickly. Because a lot yeah. of times with people uh, who you are not that close with, you don't want to, you know, offend them, say something. You know, I, I'm also a, like a pretty direct person by nature. And, uh, you know, I have to take special effort into putting my words into a, you know, more more easily perceived yeah. thing. And it's not, I, don't, I definitely don't think it's like easy, the job of, you know, the director also in terms of voice acting, because obviously there's so many takes you can do and there's so many different variations of how the line should be delivered, delivered or a different line, for example. So there is definitely a skill in terms of like getting out, you know, exactly what you want. Um, Cause obviously it's the one thing to be like angry, sad, happy, you know, like um, what we see in video games on the surface level of like when you choose an option um, in terms of what dialogue path you want to take. But there's a lot of shades to each of those. Um, and as I'm sure we probably all experience, like sometimes you'll even like for great voice actors, you'll pick one of them. But it somehow still won't quite match yeah. the line before. Um, so it can be challenging in that way. And even like you'll play like an amazing game and the voice actor will be amazing. And then just one line doesn't if you pick like an angry route or something and it doesn't somehow flow from what happened before. So I think there's a definitely a challenge in that as well, because it can be kind of quite quite different feelings from kind of the root of what you're trying to go from so trying to think of ways to make that transition quite smooth between all those different emotions can be tricky sure yeah and then as as you mentioned um you know working with you know your partner as well that's uh, you know it's one thing saying something to your partner but then someone you don't know as well yeah so because my uh, my my father he now he wasn't my teacher he he was a teacher before he retired but mm-hmm. he used to help me you know with maths and French and he when he gave per, uh, private lessons he told me that he would be a lot more shall we say careful when he's speaking to other students who mm-hmm. didn't know him as well exactly. so with me he would go oh come on short it's not it's not rocket science you know <laughs> he'd say things that <laughs> that he couldn't say to anybody else definitely um, I think there's also an element of in terms of the fact that like I'm also like co-designing these games also so I also have a very strong idea of how it should be and when you break it down to like you know inflection of a word we might have different 
opinions about how that word should come out. And it's, so it's very, it feels very different in terms of you're talking about, you know, film and theater and everything, you know, as an actor, that's like your job in those other mediums generally, obviously some people do acting, directing, um, et cetera. But for this being like kind of a co-creator of the game also, it can make it challenging when I have a vision of how a word should be read. And when he has a vision of how a word should be read. So it kind of, and from usually, a high vantage point, sometimes, of course, can clash in very like minute ways. It's a it it, it does clash, and uh, I guess it can be quite explosive for a little bit. But again, I feel like you get to a point much quicker. So essentially, things that would be mushed over in the professional environment for a very long time, and you know, potentially just. Uh, uh, make conflicts deeper and swept under the carpet they these things they show up immediately and you may have a fight for a little bit but you know after this you're gonna understand each other's points and gonna come to a conclusion sooner so there are advantages to this it's just uh, emotionally draining sometimes yes <laughs> right and th- did you guys both direct uh, the male actor then um to well who provided the voice for the male character for quinton um i'd say i mean it was more me uh, who was directing, but Laura was kind of, I mean, Laura has more experience with this, so she, I feel like she shared some knowledge with how to do that. In terms of like, I guess, you would you would kind of instruct how the line could be read, yeah. like an emotion, like a verbal emotion, and like I could potentially help like shape yeah. like the actual words. So I guess that's the different level of it. Because that's, uh, yeah, the voice uh, for Quentin and from head to toe was uh, Oliver. He, he's my uh, co-best man. Yeah. Uh, oh, so you know him as well. So. We know him yeah. very well. It's yeah. kind of funny. We got roped into it. So for our first game, <laughs> we, we got a, a oh, professional yeah. actor. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he's uh, he's big now. He, he was in a show on Channel 4. Okay. Uh, anyway, like yeah, so we we oh. watched him and him. <laughs> yeah, it, before it was that. Before that. And that's great because it's you know it's different, um, professional actor. But for this, for Quentin specifically, roped in a friend, um, <laughs> just because Arseni had this you know vision of him working, yeah. and he was like, this is it. <laughs> yeah, he's just uh you know person. He he never acted I think in anything before, and uh, you know he just fitted personality wise really well. I I thought he's just you know a perfect person to actually embody the the character and uh yeah i think i think it works out really well i think he did a good job no i definitely would agree and then from head to toe also has uh music in it well original music as well so did did you guys do the music or did you get someone to do the music as well on the game uh yes yeah, so for from head to toe the music, so the tune itself, I've worked on many, many years ago, back when I lived in Russia, and uh, I always wanted to use it for something, and I never knew for what. It was kind of a lullaby that I made, but it was just um, me kind of plucking the guitar. There was nothing that's, that was like a real song. It wasn't a song. It was just like a little tune. And I I thought it would be a good match for the game from a mood perspective. And um, my friend, my groomsman, also, see, I I include everybody in the wedding who I care about that way. Um, He is is Alex Francois, who is the creator of The Slaughter. Um, You may have heard about it, an adventure game. Um, Amazingly talented guy, like a real renaissance man. You know, he can do everything. And um, 
he made it in a proper music in, into proper music and he made a track that just you know made me you know made made the the hairs stand up really it's so good and oh, it, uh it is really great yes oh that's that's really great and then your games as well you know they're mentioned how there are short games that you made in your spare time but they they were they appeared on the guardian i see as well and uh, ign as well so they've appeared on uh, you know, pretty mainstream website, and in particular the Guardian, which is not even a video game <laughs> website. Um, how, how did, uh, you know, how, how did you feel as well? I mean, sure, you know, good, but how, how did you feel when you saw that it was on, on the Guardian, all these, you know, mainstream websites? And it's also won, I see that your games won awards as well. So, I, again, how, were, were you guys expecting these things to happen, or how did you, what was your reaction? <laughs> I mean, obviously, like, from a very basic perspective, there's an element of, like, obviously you wanting to get your game out there. But I think something actually quite nice with our first game happened is that we tried to, like, get into the community in London. Yeah. And I feel like actually kind of at that point, um, relationships with, you know, different writers, different people essentially kind of came up organically from being, you know, in in the same spaces, in the same, you know, lectures, Um and I can't remember exactly how the Guardian interview came out, but we had met them a couple times at a couple different places. Um, and the writers were really lovely and very supportive of kind of the indie community. And um, so it kind of just fell together in a nice way to get get that interview. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a surprise article. Kind of uh, they just uh, hosted, well, the Guardian particularly hosted an interview at... Um, I forgot what the name of the event was, but it was in Nottingham, I remember, because we went to uh, Robin Hood Museum. <laughs> anyway, and uh, it, yeah, it was it was just lovely. I mean, they were really really nice uh, interviewers. Um, yeah, it was it was great. We did luck out quite a lot. We obviously did the routine. We sent out the press releases, so we were hoping that we're gonna get some attention. And uh, yeah, some some of the really good. Journalists picked it up, both from from head to toe and for thing in itself. And as Laura said, the fact that we were able to go to those festivals, the fact that we were showcased next to some amazing, talented people, that made a huge difference in terms of how we feel, uh, you know, about our place in the community, about the community itself. It just. And I think for wonderful. that game, there was a also quite a. Uh, an interest in actually the philosophy of it i definitely think actually that helped our game yeah. stand out a bit um which i'm not sure if that was surprising or not for us i definitely think we thought it was probably something slightly different that could be could be interesting to people but um it was kind of a little bit of a hook i guess for that game mm -hmm. that maybe you know people had an interest in philosophy or wanted to learn a little bit more about it. And kind of, this is another avenue. I definitely also see, see video games and just art in general as another avenue for, you know, learning or learning or experiencing something a little bit different. So I think that might've also contributed perhaps to getting a little bit more exposure for that. This has been an important moment because uh, a lot of people still have this perception that, you know, <laughs> I just remember this, statement that was everywhere in, in Russia from from different people that people couldn't see games as something that's beyond 
making children stupid and uh, you know just killing people and stuff like that like people couldn't go beyond this perception of what video games are and the fact that we could do something that could affect people and involve concepts like you know Immanuel Kant's philosophy and stuff like that into a digital product like this I think I think it makes a good point and I'm glad that people could see it especially with the help of the you know um, magazines and uh, showcases and journalists who covered it thank you to all those people yeah definitely and people no. like you yeah oh no, no yeah, we're well like you, especially I mean I'm not sure I'd you know, quite in the same league as the Guardian, but <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, it's a pleasure. And so the, your next game then will be on BBC, CNN, <laughs> Variety, <laughs> The Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> well, you never know. Um, we can so, only hope that's future. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you that's never know. Um, what can you say about your next game? Because I know you mentioned it, and I know at least the time of recording it not out yet i know it hasn't been announced yet officially of at least the time recording it's even semi-announced it's uh, uh we did say that we're working on a game that's called lozenge it's um a game about a child's perspective on the fallen uh out of the relationship um between you know the child's mother and the father and uh, kind of this little emotional story about how how it's you know going it, it's it's done from the perspective of the mother but the real core emotion is with the child here in this situation so it's going to be like a little visual novel-esque type of thing and it has even less gameplay i suppose than from head to toe it's much more in this interactive fiction realm but we yeah we think it's we think it's interesting yeah yeah just to kind of reiterate what you said I think kind of also exploring kind of the the balance that parents have between kind of the struggle between kind of like paternal protectiveness but also helping or not helping even but also having a reality um and kind of having the child understand it at the same time trying to be protective but at the same time slowly kind of have the child um get get not used to the idea but be aware of the situation and the struggles that kind of happen in the back and forth but at the same time kind of the empathy and the type of collective like empathy and relationship you can also gain um in a mother-daughter relationship in this case okay i'm guessing this is also another personal emotional game that these are making (laughs) It, it sure is, yeah. This is uh, very much in in the same uh, vein as our previous games. It's yeah, it's very uh, ba- based on real feelings, based on it's it's not you know like you 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 will see even by 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 the disposition of the story, it's not strictly biographical or anything like that, but it does have the you know the, the actual. The actual emotional core that I think a game deserves to have. We hope. We yes. hope people yeah, we, feel sorry, that way. Yeah. <laughs> we, we always it's hope that. Thing <laughs> at this point, but hopefully it's going to work out. I, I'm sure you will, based on the last two games anyway. But um, I, I like as well how you, you're changing it a little bit because you mentioned that this game is going to be a visual novel a type game. Um, I mean, t- type, you know, that kind of yeah, way yeah. anyway. Um, but is there a reason why you went for this particular type 
in this game? Um, so we did, uh, from head to toe was a little different from Thing in itself in that way, uh, because it's kind of hard to define the genre there, but one of the ways we described it is visual novel, even for from head to toe, even though it's not strictly visual novel because there is uh, different kind of uh, interactions from a traditional visual novel and there are other differences. But we found actually that visual novel community is really welcoming to this kind of stuff. We, we did find a lot of uh, players in that uh, genre and uh, I, I think it's I think it's a really nice community essentially. And this game, just the way I wrote it, it didn't require any explicit interaction. I would say we didn't want to come up with anything gimmicky just for the sake of it. And it's much it, again, it's not strictly going to be visual novel, but it's going to be even closer to it than from head to toe. Okay. And it's um, weird. I definitely think like art style just follows uh, from the story in a way. Because yeah. <laughs> it's completely different art style than yes. the other two. Um, and I think probably because of just like how we're such a small team and how, you know, I'm not and I'm not like a trained artist myself. A lot of kind of the the visual of it comes from like looking at the story and be like, what fits this mood um, even more so than, you know, because a lot of artists obviously like kind of have a style. Obviously, they can be flexible, but there's a style. But I can just kind of just play around with the story that's been written. So. Mm-hmm. something different in store visually cool yeah and uh do you do you guys well is there going to be voice acting in that game as well so are you going to provide your talents laura as well to this game <laughs> i we haven't fully decided i don't think so um we haven't decided right now yeah um, so we we have a script at this point we're you know we're still editing but um still we have essentially have a good build for this we're just iterating on it we're adding more art we're adding more you know animation type of stuff working on ui you know all that kind of stuff we're, we're, we're at the right end right now so the voice over in this case luckily is going to be something that we can add at this point we're not sure it's necessary to the story or that it's feasible since we want to get the game out hopefully in the next few months um with the current situation and the game requiring a younger person um vo- they would need a voice actor that's like a younger mm. person obviously adults can do it as well um but i i we'll sometimes see. it depends <laughs> we have to be a very particular adult doing it or we would you know want a younger person and just the practicalities might not work out this time but We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could check uh, see if Melissa Hutchison, who gave the voice of Clementine, if she's available. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she'd be delighted. It wouldn't be expensive at all. <laughs> um, well, I think that's all the questions that that I have for you guys because I know that uh, you mentioned then the game afterwards, but you I know it's still very very early, so I uh, might ask you again closer to the time. But is there? Uh, I suppose, is there anything that you guys would like to say? Well, first of all, I always forget this. Uh, where can people find you guys or find out right. about your company online? Um, so I think the most active we are on Twitter, which is at Pintroverts. So it's a letter P and uh, introverts after it. We also have a Facebook page with the same credentials, um, you can write us by email if you'd like to ask us an uh, elaborate question. And, yeah, we have a website. That's kind of what we do. Obviously, our games are available on Steam, on Itch, 
from head to toe is also available on Google Play. Nice. Well, I'll, I'll include those links in the show notes as well. I'll see if I can include a link to your talk at AdventureX as well. Oh, thank that's, you. Uh, people might be interested in seeing as well. And um, yes, well, then, is there anything that you guys would like to say before we finish then? Again, putting you on the spot, but <laughs> there's anything at all that you would like to say to, to people listening or that we haven't covered? Um, I think, no, just appreci- we appreciate the fact that people, you know, have tried out something new sometimes with our games, um, different experience for some, and we encourage a lot of them are, you know, uh, are there any of them free right now or? Uh, well, From Head to Toe is always free. From Head to Toe is free, so it doesn't hurt to just have a look on Steam. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we try to keep them quite very cost minimal. So um, we always appreciate feedback. Definitely, if you want to get in touch um, on the, and any of the things Arseni mentioned, please do. We'd be um, delighted. Be delighted. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you all. And thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. No worries. Thank, thank you, you guys for uh, for agreeing to speak to me. It uh, was a pleasure. And hopefully... Maybe not this year, but hopefully next year we can see each other again at Adventure X. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Once things go back to some sort of normality, it would be nice to. I mean, at this stage, I'm looking forward to just getting out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, well, look, the very, very best of luck with uh, with your game. And I would definitely encourage you to check out your games, in particular from head to toe, which I played and which I really liked, and which I spoke about a few months ago as well. So, mm-hmm. um, thank you. No worries at all. So, well, that's the best, very best of luck, and we'll keep in touch. Have a great day. Thanks for having us. Have a good day. Thank you. So that was my interview with Party for Introverts. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and a huge thank you once again to Arsene and Laura for speaking to me. It was a real pleasure speaking to them. We met uh, very, very briefly at Adventure X last year, back when we were allowed to gather in public and we had arranged to speak for a long time and finally we got together to speak and it was an absolute pleasure to speak to them so hopefully i can meet them again very soon and you can also wishlist as i mentioned their new game uh, lozenge on steam and you can buy their other games on steam as well they're very highly recommended and um, so that's it for this week i hope you enjoyed it this tuesday i will be uploading my interview with Rolf Saxon. So this will be the final episode in our mini-series celebrating 30 years of revolution. And Rolf Saxon, the voice of George Stobart, was kind enough to join me to talk about his experience working at Resolution. So you can listen to that. If you subscribe, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Podbean. You can also get the you can also download the interview from the website, adventuregamespodcast.com. And for this interview next Tuesday, you can also watch it on our YouTube channel. The links will be in the show notes of this episode. And as well as that, then next week, I will be joined by Felipe F. Fernandez, who talks to me about his upcoming game, Into a Dream, which is set to be released on July the 30th. And this looks to be one of the most important games that will be released this year. So you can find out more about that next week. So until then, take care, everyone. Goodbye.
if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you